A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I'm, of course, Sam from that YouTube channel, Seen Through Glass, and friend of the channel and returning <laughs> guest, Paul Wallace from Supercars of London, is here once again. It is an honour. <laughs> I'm so glad you could come back and join yeah. us for another episode. I'd cleared my diary. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, Paul is here. Every week, <laughs> as a guest. Um, well, I say every week. Actually, well, we've sort of taken a one a bit of a break, sort of not on purpose. Essentially, uh, we missed two episodes of After the Checkered Flag, the the Belgian Grand Prix and the Dutch Grand Prix, because mm. uh, we were both away separately. So I was away for the Belgian Grand Prix, and then you were away for the Dutch Grand Prix. But it's kind of worked out perfectly <laughs> because we've ended up being able to review not only three Grand Prix in one, which well, we'll work perfectly because two of them were pointless. <laughs> uh, but also a huge number of driver changes for the 2022 season. It feels like the start of the second half of the Formula One season. Ignore the first two Grand Prix and this kind of really was yeah. where it started. And the fact that we've brought the podcast back means that it can officially begin. Yes, exactly. Second half can commence. <laughs> so if you've never listened to After the Checkered Flag, essentially Paul and I are reviewing each race of the 2021 Formula I like Formula how you put my season. name first there, as if I am a co-host. No, no, it's just grammatically correct. Right. Paul and I, not me and Paul. I and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so we sit down and we go through the race and we show our thoughts and we are very rude about some people. We're very <laughs> biased about others. And anyway, it's just something that we've been doing this year because we love this sport and it's turning out to be an epic season. And we were basically having these conversations on WhatsApp. So we thought, heck, let's bring them onto the podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think we have to start. Do we just dive straight into it? I mean, we've got a lot to discuss. Yeah, come on. Talk to me, talk to me about your holiday. No, <laughs> so many people are already crossed that we've wasted three minutes of their time before getting into the meaty, juicy element, which I think we have to get in straight away. The fact that yesterday, once again, Hamilton and Verstappen Come came together. together. Come together. <gasps> came together. Came together. Yeah. I okay. mean, you know, so, so <laughs> let's clarify for the audience. We haven't spoken about this. No, so no. When this moment happened, we both kind of agreed. Let's not say anything. Save it for the pod. Save it for the podcast. Very professional of us. Yeah. Um, so look, I want to know all of your thoughts. I want to hear everything you feel about it because I feel like we might disagree. So tell me, as you saw this unfold, what was going through your head? Do you know what? Head? Okay. So the first thing that came into my head was, you know, you have these freak moments in life where there are so many things, so many components that have come together for this moment to happen. The first thing I did was rewind the entire day 
and look at the delayed pit stop that Max Verstappen had, which, first of all, is completely freak because they are the most reliable team to pit stop. And you normally expect a 1.9, a two-second dead pit stop. So the fact that we got an 11-second pit stop from Max, firstly, that enraged him. And you could hear on the team radios, he was furious. Then, for Mercedes, I was actually surprised that they brought Lewis in so soon after because he was running the hard tyres. I thought he was going to be able to go for a much longer period. The fact that they brought him in when they did, they then had a slow pit stop themselves, which was around four seconds or a little bit over four seconds. For him to be bought out, I was watching the map in the bottom right-hand corner of the TV, seeing that little dot of Verstappen coming around on the map, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's like that TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, oh, no, no, yeah. no. It was like, it was at this moment. They knew. <laughs> because when he was released and came out, I was like, two cars aren't going to go into one here. Mm-hmm. This is not going to end well. And, and I didn't know whether it was for one driver or the other driver or both drivers. And I mean, my first reaction to what happened, it's the first time I've said this, didn't even say it on Twitter. I thought Lewis should have given him more room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stir that pot. Because that was your, your initial thing was like, Lewis, mate, I was what like, have you done? I was like, whoa. Because I knew you weren't watching it live. So mm-hmm. I was talking to Tony, who was watching it live. Okay. And he said, oh, that's Max's fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a financial bet. Yeah. <laughs> if you think we are biased sometimes towards Lewis Hamilton, that's why Tony doesn't come on this podcast. Because he is so blinkered. And you'll know if you listen to the main show. That man's opinion cannot be swayed. So, okay, so you thought... So my initial thought was there wasn't enough room on the inside for max i thought that lewis had completely cut him off as i started to see the replays more and more and i started to think more about the situation and the race and the fact that max really punted lewis off on lap one then max had the really long pit stop which frustrated him i then started to see it from a different perspective which was there's a way that both drivers can avoid that and I think considering how important points are for both drivers one of them <laughs> should have thought about the long game yeah and I and I and I think <laughs> and I think it was more in max the ball was more in max's court to think about the long game I think Lewis thought I've got I've got max here I've got him here this is my corner this is my chicane and therefore, maybe Max could have pulled back and thought, maybe if I can just follow him. But he also knew that the strategies were different. He thought, maybe if Ma- if Lewis gets ahead, mm. I've lost this race. There's so many coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to come back later to an amazing interview Sky did with Felipe Massa after the race and some things that he said. But, okay, so my initial reaction was, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think... In hindsight, in retrospective, looking at all the sort of facts and elements, my opinion is Verstappen could have, or maybe should have, sensed the opportunity to get past Hamilton, maybe not right then or right there. I think he had more pace, his tyres were heated up, Hamilton was coming out of the pits, he was defending hard. 
would you not have tried to set Hamilton up to then get him into turn four? Yeah. I always forget the names at Monza, but go around the long right-hander and yeah. into that chicane, which was a move we saw quite a few drivers doing. Now, you would think that there was a chance to do that, to push Hamilton into sort of, you know, breaking hard, breaking late, do a better angle and get the run on him with the slipstream. I think Verstappen would have had that move done. Yeah. And if not, maybe would have had a DRS move done on Hamilton somewhere later in the lap. And that's not the first time this year we've seen Verstappen sense that first opportunity and just taste blood and go and therefore it not work out. First Grand Prix of the year, or was it first Grand Prix? In Bahrain, obviously, when, yeah. when he had that sort of, you know, same kind of mentality. And we've seen it a few different places. Now, I, obviously we now know Verstappen's had the penalty, three plays grid penalty. I do personally think that's harsh. Mm, me too. So there's a few things in that. I, I think firstly, Verstappen, yes, could have taken to the rumble strips. So, you know, for, you know, given up the Which corner. Which we saw again with multiple drivers. Multiple drivers just going, okay, I'm not going to make this corner. But I think Hamilton gave him just enough room, not enough room, but just <laughs> enough for Verstappen to think, I could just make that corner. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, there's a chance I could get there. I was driving over here going, the more I think about it, the more Lewis could not have positioned his car more perfectly. It was his racing craft and experience to put the car to the inch where he gave Max that dilemma, that ultimatum. Mm. Either you take the rumble strips and give me the corner or you crash. Yeah, because I think Hamilton's point was he knew if he hit that sausage curb, what would happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think you're right. I think, and the problem with Lewis is, right, he never really comes out and says any of this. He no. always does that. I'm the good guy. And oh, I'm very, you know, I'm seven time world champion. Right? <laughs> and I always think there's more going on and he's more shady and snaky because you have to be ruthless. You have to have gameplay. You have to do all of these things. And Silverstone was a prime example of that, right? He's a cutthroat world champion. And I, I think you're right where I think he pushed it maybe over the edge, but right to the limit of giving that Verstappen that, that glimpse of hope. Yeah. So that Verstappen thought, okay, I'm probably going to hit that curb but maybe it's going to work out for me. Maybe, maybe I'll bounce into him. He'll get pushed wide and I'll be able to carry on. Mm. And I'm willing to take that risk because I'm not taking the rumble strips. F you, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Massa's point, which I think was a very good one, is why didn't Lewis just shove him completely off the track mm. like Max did on lap one? Why did Lewis not just want him completely wide? And I think to... I don't want to defend Lewis in this because I actually think Lewis was not more to blame, but definitely equally to blame for this incident. I think, uh, yeah, Matt Lewis should have just run him completely wide and forced him onto the rumble strips. There wouldn't have been an accident and Max would have complained, but... He pushed me off. Which is exactly what happened on turn, uh, turn four. Turn four. One. So the flip of that is, would Hamilton have got a penalty if he did so? I think potentially, because let's not forget, Hamilton was coming out of the pit and rejoining the track. Mm. So Verstappen does have precedence there. He is the man on circuit, carrying more speed. It's Lewis rejoining. Lewis already pushed Max quite wide going into <laughs> yeah. that first turn. So, it, hey, super tricky decision. And it's great because this is two drivers who are not willing to <laughs> give energy. I, they keep saying they respect each other. I don't think they do. <laughs> no. I think they hate each other now. <laughs> and it's amazing. We don't. I want to see close fight racing, right? You know, yeah. I, I want to see them go on for three, five, ten laps starting back and forth, changing positions. I don't want to see them crash every time no. they come close. But boys are exciting when they <laughs> safely yeah. do. But Tw also then Twitter becomes incredible. Well, let's come on to that because I said safely do. 
they nearly very did well, it wasn't a safe accident. I mean, no, you know, the, no. The, it was that a, could it have was been a, horrific. It was a slow accident, but actually, when you watch it in slow mo, if you w- watch any replay, you can see that the halo really saved Lewis. So, what are your thoughts? Because there was a whole load of sort of. I can't yeah. believe Max walked away yeah, and didn't so, check and all that. What are your thoughts on so that? So that's what I tweeted, which obviously was kind of in the moment. And that photo is a really dark representation of the whole incident. But it Which is, is the, the photo of the tyre touching the helmet of Lewis yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. And there was a lot of people saying, imagine if the tyre the was spinning, imagine if the engine was revving, how dangerous that could have been. So... There were some people that replied to that tweet saying there's no way that Max could have known that that happened. I'm sorry, but he has literally raced his entire life. That's all he knows. He was in Formula One before he had a driver's license for the road. He will know every dimension point of that car. And the fact that he was up in the air and on Lewis's car, he will have known that at one point his car was over the cockpit, any part of his car. Therefore there's an element of danger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for him to get out and completely walk off, okay, there were also a lot of comments that were saying that Lewis was trying to reverse out and just trying to get out of that situation as well. So Max would have known that he's okay, but even still, that's why I said from a human element, just compassion for him not to check and go up to Lewis at all. I just thought that it was a little bit off key, but knowing how hot-headed Max is, it, it just wouldn't have even crossed his mind. He would have just been so furious that he's out of the race and he can see everyone driving past. He would have just been so furious um, that it probably wouldn't have even crossed his mind. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I disagree with you in the sense where I think we have the benefit of seeing multiple third-person angles in super slow motion zoomed in. You know, if you watch it back at full speed or even on board from Max's, you know, on board camera, let alone what his point of view would have been, he wouldn't have known exactly what had happened at that time. Because also, if you're no. watching it, it's hard to know what's launched him. If you're on the onboard camera, has the curb launched him? Or is no, the tire? Was actually the rear yeah. white tire. So it's going to happen so quickly. He's ended up, when he gets out of the car, he's on the front wheel of Hamilton, quite far from the cockpit. You're right. He's not an idiot. He's not naive. He's probably gone, well, that could have been a big incident. But again, by the time he gets out and he does look over to Lewis, Lewis is moving in the cockpit and trying to reverse the car out of the gravel. In a moment where he's going to be absolutely (laughs) raging, there's adrenaline pumping. His comment of, that's what you get when you don't leave enough space, I think was kind of petulant and like middle fingers. And a bit like we talked about with Silverstone, Hamilton leaving the car there to be like, Cool. You want to yeah. have a crash? Let's have yeah, a crash. Yeah. I think that was Verstappen. He had that that glimmer of enough space with Lewis going into that second turn that Max went, cool. Are well, you going to give me that tiny enough space? I'm going to launch it crash. in here and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and it was that kind of, you know, middle finger to each other. Mm. And so I know a lot of people are like, where's the compassion? Where's the sportsmanship? Where's the humanity? Why didn't he go over? But I'm sorry. We've so rarely ever seen that in Formula One when true competitors like actual racing for the championship competitors take each other off which has happened many times before even teammates who aren't fighting for the championship then go over to each other and be like you're right mate and in this new age of sebastian vettel being hero amongst men and running over to lando norris lando are you okay 
you know, that's in a qualifying session. They're not competing at all. There was yeah. no contact. You know, their blood would be boiling. These are the two top drivers racing, and they've had a, another clash, not for the first time this year. I think it would have been weird if Verstappen had gone yeah. over and be like, Lewis, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, F you! <laughs> so, I... I <laughs> maybe maybe that's, maybe the, the racing desire to win isn't in my DNA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I get it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, don't be ridiculous. He knew exactly what happened. Like, be a human. These are top sports athletes that are uber competitive. Uber says, of course, I think if Max had got out of the car and Lewis was, un like, looked unresponsive, his head was to his side, or I think he would have been concerned. And yes, I think he would have gone and checked. But as I say, the fact he got out, he had had radio communications with the team, all of these things. I think it would have been yeah. a different matter. Um, so, yeah, we've got to take that into into consideration and the fact that these things happen so quickly when your adrenaline is pumping and everyone keeps saying, oh, he would have known that tyre would have hit Hamilton's head. No, he wouldn't. Mm. Sit in a Formula One car, you can see absolutely nothing and go through a crash at 75 miles an hour where you're launching the air. You don't know what's happened. You mm. don't know. So I, I, I will disagree with you there. <laughs> As much as it pains me, because I'm actually disliking Verstappen more and more by the day. Um, and this is what I want to come on to, because, uh, as I say, I think I do blame Lewis definitely equally as Max. I don't think it's fair that Max necessarily got that penalty. Um, but anyway, I think what we're seeing again is this red mist in mm. Max, which he's got to somehow... Well, we Channel thought at the, at the beginning of this season, and I think there are some times last season as well, when we were commenting saying, he's maturing. He is becoming this mature future world champion. And I don't think we're discrediting his driving ability. Not at all. Um, but I think it's Max Verstappen. But I also think, obviously, he's had that his entire career. And he is, it is something that he needs to channel out. I don't think it's helping with the Red Bull team that are behind him. Yeah. I think they are setting an awful example for Max to carry on the way that he is because I, they're not sitting him down. It was like what Damon Hill said after the race. Are you going to sit down with your driver and tell him that there is a time and a place to make particular manoeuvres? And that's coming from a Formula One driver. I, I think you're right. I think my perspective from the outside is he, he doesn't seem to judge when it's a good mm. or like as i say he was quick that weekend and mm. everyone kept saying mercedes had the pace advantage red bull was super quick yeah and he had more heat in the tires he was coming out you know coming down the straight he could have had a chance to pass hamilton again that lap but there's something about max which i see that he just still always goes for that just that first blood mm. where an alonso a vettel a leclerc a bottas a norris seem to have a better judgment of biding their time. Uh, strategy. Strategy. It's, it's, and it's, co it's, common, it's common sense because there's, there's opportunities that are less risky to make those moves. And I just feel like Max has got the, the center quote tattooed in his brain. <laughs> yeah. of, if you don't go for a gap, you are not a racing driver. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, you don't have to go for every gap. Because well, that's the thing. If, the, if the probability of you is crashing and out of the race and not scoring any points, then surely that is not the best best place to go for that gap. And I think this has been his mentality from day one, which has done him a huge amount of positives over the years and made him this future world champion or about to be world champion because it's that kind of almost bullying mentality mm. of 
I'm Max Verstappen. Yeah. Get out of yeah, my way. Yeah, 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 Get out my way. And I think a lot of the times through the uniformers and also through the rest of the field, people do. They, 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 I don't want to get involved yeah. with this. Like, okay, cool. And, you know, you've seen it with other teammates, but also, you know, as he's been racing throughout the years. But now he's met Hamilton and they're in a championship fight. Hamilton's wise enough, clever enough, and also ruthless enough to not allow it. Yeah. And I think this is the, what we're seeing is, and I, and I don't want this to be a, an anti-Max because I do think Lewis is becoming the Dick Darsley character he needs to, to teach Max the lesson of you can't just crash. Yeah. Like, like that, that's not yeah. how racing works. You've got to, if you're quicker, you're quicker. You're going to overtake me. And we've seen so many times this year, Lewis being beat and going, yeah, yeah. Max was faster. Yeah. Nothing I can do about it. And but in the back of his head, he's collecting points, damage limitation. Sure. But also accepting like that. Sometimes that's just what it is. If, you know, if you're going to get overtaken, that's mm. racing. Mm. You, racing is not crashing. It's not yeah. crashing or like nothing. Like, so this is the max thing which, hey, this guy might win this world championship. We're going to come back to the Dutch Grand Prix and how impressive he continues to be in, in every single race weekend. I'm not knocking Max. And yes, I don't really support him at the moment. But the thing that I would say is just a fan. He needs to somehow channel that unbelievable raw talent and energy into a, sort of just being more considered. And I think you're right, that delayed pit stop enraged him so much and we heard it over the radio mm. I don't want to hear anything yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. that I think he saw Lewis coming out and he went ah <laughs> and, and in that moment of Lewis squeezing him yeah. he didn't think oh okay I'll bail out yeah, this yeah, I'll get yeah. him next time yeah. he just thought no <laughs> <laughs> no and it's like Max you would be so dominant I think personally so dominant if you had just bailed out at that moment and picked up the slipstream bailed out early picked up that slipstream so that's my feeling. Lewis, again, also could have been clever, I think. You know, if he knows how brutal Max is, don't, don't even allow him that the, much the, space yeah, to be yeah. on your outside. Yeah. As Massa said, just be more of a dick. Just push him completely but out then wide. There were five-second penalties left, right, and center in Austria for people pushing other drivers out. So he could have had a five-second penalty. Better than a non-finish. Yeah. I mean, you know, they both didn't finish. So yeah, actually, yeah, it yeah, is what it is. Yeah. But, but I think fundamentally you know but better to take the risk of a penalty than the risk of a crash because as we know it could have been a life-ending crash mm -hmm. at one point so do you uh, think there was do you think the comment that lewis made that then was echoed quite a lot and i heard max verstappen get asked i think christian horner got asked it as well when lewis said this should be a really easy win for max mm -hmm. just really calmly yeah. In a in a pre race interview, yeah, this would be a really really easy race for Max. Should win it. That played a part. You think that riled them up a bit? Yeah, I think it would rile Max up. I think the the calmness of the way that that Lewis is delivering his pre race mm. pre race weekend interviews and accepting the Red Bull car is faster, the Red Bull car should easily win. All of these things, it's a it's an off track tactic that you see with Jose Mourinho with, with football and the way that he is picking apart. And Lewis knows that Max's mental strength and his ability to, to see red is his, is his weakness. That I think there is a much, much stronger and deeper element to, to Lewis's off-track tactics that set him up for one slow pit stop and you saw what happened. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think this is Lewis's big... Gameplay, which he 
always denies. Yeah. But I've personally, as a fan, witnessed him do for 10 plus years, which is the off-track game. Yeah. His words, his mentality, how he sets things up. Because it does rile people up mm. and it does frustrate people. Yeah, and of I course. Think, and it's, it's the same as, oh, my tyres are going fast or slow. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, same yeah. thing. And I think part of it is to G himself up. Yeah. But a lot of it is the gameplay and the mindset. And I think we are seeing a more ruthless Lewis this year, mm. a slightly more... You know, equally petulant is the wrong word. I, I often use it for Max, but an equally sort of like, yeah, middle fingers up, yeah. Lewis Hamilton, yeah. which, you know, is, is refreshing to see. And mm. it shows that he's really having to fight for it. Um, he's definitely not not to blame for a lot of these incidents and they're riling each other up. But you're right. I think a lot of his mentality or his gameplay is off track. Yeah. I think when he gets on track, Lewis is trying to be as fair within reason as possible. All of these incidents... You could say, you know, he's given just on that limit. Like, as Massa was saying, just run him out wide. Yeah. Don't give him just enough. It wasn't enough space, but just enough. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, hey, look, it's shaping up to be, God knows how many races we're going to have for the rest of this year because COVID and, and all these different things seem to, you know, put a question mark over some of these Grand Prix, but it's going to be intense <laughs> and we're going to be biting our fingernails. Go on. One thing I will say is as soon as, Max and Lewis aren't on track. So the yeah. races that we've seen when, when they've retired provides some of the most exciting races. It? it is just, I actually <laughs> said it. Reverse grid racing, come on! <laughs> I, I, said it, I said it to a friend of mine who is also a big Formula 1 fan. I was like, I actually quite prefer when, <laughs> when Max and Lewis aren't racing because the, like, the, the unpredictability of who's going to win and, and it all starts to... The thing is with Max and Lewis is they are leagues ahead of everyone else so when they're racing they just drive off they drive off from Bottas they drive off from Perez who are in the same car so you get to see the driver talent between them but take them away and then give everyone else that limelight you see the the talent you see the the quality the strategy of other teams that don't normally get championed and to see McLaren one and two like was like for me I don't know why I've always wanted to see McLaren back up there I've been fighting um for them on the podcast to get up 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 and I've always been a fan of the McLaren Formula One team and now having Danny Rick and Lando both in the, the cars is just the coolest thing ever and to see them dominate because it wasn't oh they won by default because Max and Lewis weren't in the race like Ricardo pulled a move on Max in in, in lap one turn one and then Max couldn't get anywhere near him. They were quick all weekend. Yeah. So let, let's come on to it because it was such a happy story. I think for, as you say, any long-term McLaren fans, but Formula One fans in general, because yeah. you want to see the big old successful teams right up there. And oh my God, 10 years? I mean, basically 2010 was the last one too. 2012, the last victory. <laughs> that is terrifying <laughs> yeah. to think about. You know, being, a, uh, so uh, since the mid nineties, I've been watching Formula One, you know, McLaren, were the yeah. dominant force for so long. So it's so mad to think it's been that long since they really got victories. Um, so yeah, seeing them up there, but they were just from from day one. Oh yeah, sorry, da and Danny Rick, seeing mm. Danny Rick return to form. From Friday onwards, they looked quick. Mm. They looked competitive, they looked quick. And Danny Rick looked competitive and quick. Yeah. He seemed to have the edge over Lando right up until qualifying, which was, you know, milliseconds. So mm. um, as much of a muchness. Uh, and then as you say, on the sprint on the Saturday, they did what they needed to do to jump up the field. And then on the Sunday, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. He, he did the perfect start and he was leading the race. And it looked like in a sort of pretty he, strong way. Yeah. He could have won even with Max and Lewis in, or they would have given it a good fight at least. But Max kept complaining, didn't he? I can't follow close yeah, enough, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And the thing which I think about Ricardo, which was interesting to see, is that 
okay, so at times it looked like they weren't running away with it. And there was always this threat of Bottas coming through late. Yes, Max early on, even Perez, well, even and, Norris. And Lewis got past Norris. Exactly. So there was always this question of people coming for him. But the, the two times I noticed it, firstly, when McLaren said, okay, just go for it. We, the, don't manage the touch, yeah. just go. Yeah. They generally did. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he went like, yeah, you know, they like, and, the and they, built the, they built the gap. And he got the fastest lap on the last <laughs> lap, which meant he had even more yeah. pace there. So I think McLaren had a lot more of a competitive advantage than maybe people gave them credit for and you're right it's not like they it's not like the Ocon victory which was just mental scenes yeah. resulting in a in a good performance this was a well-earned McLaren victory 100% so do you think it's right that McLaren left Ricardo to win and didn't swap the positions um i mean they they made the decision we heard Lando say can i can i give it a go and the fact that he said that shows that he probably believed that he could have caught Danny Rick. Um, would Danny have Rick that would Danny Rick have let that position go without a fight? No. So at that point, they're putting the trust in the driver's hands to race fairly and not crash, like we've seen with Rosberg and Lewis and was it Weber and Vettel? Was yep. it Vettel? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just think they saved any sort of post-race awkward debrief and just was like, do you know what? Let's collect the points. Let's have the one and two. It's surprising that Danny Rick got the, the, the win considering Lando's performance throughout the year and how consistent he's been in that McLaren car. And I think that's probably what Lando was thinking. I think he was thinking, this should be my win. This should be me because of this, the results that I've had. So... I, w I want to put the question to them to see whether they think the same. But I just, I, I think from a, from a political point of view, they did the right thing. It's totally not surprising. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, they are in a big fight with Ferrari in the championship and they get the same points. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend say to me yesterday that, you know, oh yeah, but Lando's third in the driver. They don't give a crap. No. It makes no difference. No. You know, he, he's not it, fighting for the that's, driver's that's, championship. That's Lando's so. own, that's put his personal goal. And, he has had a fantastic season. Yeah. He has been delivering from McLaren consistently. Since the summer break, yes, Danny seems to be, sorry, Ricardo seems to be closer to Lando, seems to be more competitive. I think in Monza, he really did have the edge of, of Lando. It's that classic Formula One driver thing of, I could get past him. Yeah. I could be quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe Ricardo was thinking, come on then, mate. Yeah. Because he did have him pegged, but we don't know. This is always the thing when you see teammates like this. We don't know. If they were really let off the hook, what would have happened? Yeah. Did Lando have a pace advantage? You might think so. But then also, Ricardo seemed to be able to pace himself very well. So maybe he was just managing things. But I think for the team psychology and Daniel Ricardo's mentality, Definitely. I think it was very important to give yeah. him that victory, to, to reward him for what looks like an increase in pace or understanding of that car to gel that team even more, for Lando to be mature enough. So yeah, of course, it's just amazing to have this, yeah. this result. And you're right, it's just great to see that team back to where they really should be mm -hmm. and the second most dominant team in Formula yeah. One history. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it was, it was great. And I hope that is Daniel Ricciardo, you know, really feeling on top of that car. I hope that's not going to be a flash in the pan for him. Mm. I think the team have been competitive all year. We've spoken about the fact there's a chance that they could, they could steal a victory or, you yeah. know, and they've been getting podiums. Um, so yeah, I, just, I really hope that we're going to see him now you know, kick into it and, and push on and yeah, I mean... P pushing the team up. Yeah, pushing the it, team up. Because it was him that was letting it down. 
So back in 1997, mm. Hakkinen and Coulthard, just before a big rule change, which went into 1998, McLaren, who had been in the doldrums for a couple of years, started to look more competitive. They had the Mercedes engines back in the car in 97 before they got the new silver livery. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And they won... Uh, the final Grand Prix of the year and they were competitive throughout the year. And there's some weird synergy and omen <laughs> here, which makes me just think maybe in 2022, McLaren could come out on fire. Okay. Um, don't say that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is like, I, I'm excited for the future yeah. of McLaren. And we were laughing because we did talk about one thing last night was the <laughs> fact that now suddenly I want a McLaren yeah, road car. I was going to <laughs> ask, does this success... Make you want to go and it buy does. a road guide. <laughs> yeah, me Sunday, too. Buy on yeah. Monday. And the thing is, Paul McLaren, because they launched McLaren Automotive off the back of this insanely successful Formula One team with this whole heritage and history, blah, blah. And the first car comes out in 2010, the last time they get a 1-2. <laughs> Their last victories in 2012, they hadn't even released the P1. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they were barely a thing. So now we've had all these cars, 650s, 675 LTs, 720s. Which is all ar arguably bought the brand. I mean, the cars haven't necessarily brought that brand down, but there are elements that have bought the brand in a, in a decline from where they 100%, were. 100%, because, you know, when they became out, you know, this is so cool. The most, you know, one of the most successful Formula One teams who are currently mm, winning everything. Yeah. You know, in 2010, Button joined the team. They were so successful. And even in 2012, you know, Lewis had a slight look at the championship. And... And then, and then after that, I just declined. You have this crap team running at the back with Alonso <laughs> slamming the engine. And then you had the road cars. You're like, well, how does this match up? So yeah, suddenly I was literally on auto trader looking at 12 Cs. <laughs> how do I make the Ricardo edition McLaren? Um, but you're right. What's so nice to see, I think, apart from Alfa Romeo and Williams, no, sorry, Alfa Romeo and Haas, every team's got a podium this year so yeah. far. Well, that's nuts. That is that is ridiculous. Going from years where we've only ever seen Mercedes and Red Bull on the podium within this few shock results... That's awesome. Mm. And we have we are being spoiled with a pretty incredible season. I tell you what we were spoiled with all weekend. A fantastic performance from Bottas. Oh, don't even start. <laughs> you were trying to wind me up with this yesterday. <laughs> that was the only thing that we did talk yeah. about on WhatsApp was 
on this podcast, we have probably not favoured his driving because we've not really seen this this ruthless super fast driver we have seen uh, um, a mercedes number two driver even though toto says oh, i don't have number two drivers That's definitely number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he he has um supported lewis in a lot of victories and in a, in a lot of accumulation of points and obviously helped the mercedes team get the constructors championship but what we saw this weekend was a real like his brain was completely wiped it was like he had a full reset and was like do you know what i don't care anymore yeah like i'm a mercedes driver i'll help them this year but i know where i'm going next next season so who cares and all of a sudden he's he he destroyed qualifying then in the sprint race was just on fire and um obviously got put back to the grid and then he was like well See you later. Yeah, yeah. And, and just zipped through the field. I think one of the best Bottas performances we've seen in years. I'm going to say in years. It will, it will go down in history. <laughs> <laughs> and it brings us very nicely onto the big talking topics, which obviously all the driver changes have now mm. been announced or confirmed at least. It was a domino effect from Kimmy's retirement. Which is exactly that, which was sort of perfect, perfect and, and, and so exciting for like three days. You just refresh your <laughs> yeah. Twitter every two seconds. Like, what's going on? Um, and you're right. Bottas, just, I think, has been cut loose from the mm. anxiety, mm. the stress, the pressure of being that second driver at Mercedes, which I'm sure he puts on himself most of the time. Yeah. And all the journalists, yeah. oh, you're crap. Come yeah. on, what are you doing? Um, all of the podcasters. All the podcasters. <laughs> and I think now he's just like, yeah, cool. Well, and also probably enjoying it because he's realistic in the fact that he's going to a car that is at best, well, in Giovinazzi hands, Q3, <laughs> but, you know, at best, you know, midfield. Yeah. Um, and so he's probably going, God, I'm probably not going to drive a car as good as this ever again. And he's just relaxed. And what a weekend, what a performance. And surprised me that he got so halted behind the Red Bull, mm. but shows me that if Verstappen had bided his time- And got tried, past Lewis. Lewis then, might not have been yeah. got past again. So uh, another lesson for Max to look at. Mm. Um, Max, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> just, just some advice from STG there. <laughs> Pro Formula One <laughs> advisor. He has driven uh, a Renault Formula One car I have one, one, once. Uh, shush. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I think-, I think Apart, that surprised me a bit, but in general, unbelievable um, yeah, race from Bottas. And let's talk about his move and then what it sort of meant. So we now know he's off to Alfa Romeo. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of a why. Mm. Um, where, where would you have rather him gone? Or IndyCar. Or, oh, or not even F1. Not oh, F1. Piss off, Bottas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, a bit like, I'm a bit like, mate, you've, you've done it. Like, like, yeah, what, yeah. What do you do? Like, where Take do you the, go? the Rosberg, the Rosberg mentality. Yeah, to I mean, an extent. Obviously, he didn't win the World Championship, but you've, you've, you've hit the peak. What, what are we going to... Oh, this might be somebody coming to collect a... Lamborghini. A Lamborghini. <laughs> Give me two seconds. How relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Right, sorry about that interruption. Let's get back to it. <laughs> so, yes, I just like... What are, what are you going to do, Bottas? You're going to go and hang around in Alfa Romeo, which Giovinazzi is proving can be competitive. Who knows what's going to happen next year? But Kimi's proved can often mean that you're just darting around at the back. And no, but I, I think I think um, as much as we love Kimi as a personality, mm -hmm. he is really past it in terms of his age. But also, he's got a family. He's got these kids that yeah. will knock some time off because he's he's. Everyone's thinking about family. A, a kid is a second. Oh, like a tenth. Must be a tenth. If it's a second allowed. There's, there's there's a rule per kid you have. You you then just become naturally slower. Um, I think Bottas is far better 
and still in the game. Because I'm now comparing it to Grosjean, who's now gone off and... Doing well in IndyCar. Yeah. Like, I think I, I still think he deserves a seat in F1. Is it going to be a Massa at Williams story? Where, uh, let's face it, Massa went, he'd sort of maybe had his decline from Ferrari, but then he had a little bit of a renaissance mm. and then stayed a little bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, but I also, I, I think, I think Bottas loves Formula One, but I don't think he loves it as much as Massa or Kimi does. Like, mm. I think he would, he would happily know when it's his time yeah, maybe and, right. and just go back up to Finland and, and sit in his sauna naked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever he was. It'll be interesting to see, but I sort of slightly feel like that. that's that and we might, uh, a couple yeah. of years. He's... I still think it's cool that he's on the grid. Fair enough. Okay, I'm a, well, mass, I'm a massive Bottas fan. Yeah. <laughs> Loser. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had a photo with Bottas in Bahrain wearing a, a Lewis Hamilton um I had a Lewis Hamilton t-shirt. Oh my God, you lose <laughs> And I was in, well, it was like what, his um, collaboration with Tommy Hilfiger. Okay. It's not, 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 even, that, even more not that much of a loser, Sam. It was TH. <laughs> um, and I was, I was in the paddock. I was excited. I was hanging around. I was like, what drivers can I see? What dri-? I was with Matt WTF1. Okay. And, uh, and Bottas walks over. And I was like, hmm, not, not the driver I wanted. <laughs> But I'll take a photo. And I'm there, like, there, like, with the Lewis Hamilton logo. Like, <laughs> thumbs up. Thanks, Valtteri. Uh, good luck. <laughs> Enjoy second place. <laughs> and then Lewis zips past on his scooter. I'm like, no! Valtteri! Oh, <laughs> um, okay, well, let's talk about the man replacing him, probably the worst kept secret of 2021. Mm. Of course, it is now confirmed. Georgie <sighs> Russell! Oh, my we're gonna get so much abuse for this. <laughs> I've been, I've kind of been um, not talking about it just because of the abuse. Yeah, that, I know, that is, that is going to ensue from this. Um, as a driver, as a driver, phenomenal. Like he is this British golden child that is supposed to uh, be taking the baton from Lewis Hamilton and drive uh, the Mercedes forward and obviously uh, a British racing driver. So in theory, like we should be, us two, properly backing him like the rest of the country. <laughs> I think Awkward. I think we're the only two people that just sit there going, oh, bore off. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't think we're the only two people. And now I'm going to be even more controversial. Oh, no. So yes, of course, clearly insane pace. George Russell, mm. not a slow guy. Mm. In fact, clearly a very quick guy, <laughs> as was proven in Spa. Uh, P2 on the grid, which then led to an actual second place because the race never happened. Yeah. Um, not something we've never seen before. Hulkenberg in Brazil many years ago. Stroll in Monza. Oh, Stroll. Vettel, my, my, Gasly. My best pal, Stroll. Plenty of people in very back end of the grid cars doing very well on wet or, you know, drying qualifying sessions. So, yes, we've seen this, you know, the coming of George Russell. But all I'm going to just say, two, two controversial things. Firstly, I personally haven't seen enough of his racecraft in Formula One. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, he's in a Williams. Yeah. He hasn't really had a chance until this year to be, like, fighting racecraft-wise. But I have seen some others, some Gasly's, Leclerc's. Like, I'm just trying to think of anyone who's slightly further back on the grid. But, you know, really get their elbows out in lesser power cars and be like, wow, even Mick Schumacher's defense at Hungary was like <laughs> yeah, really yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I haven't necessarily seen that from Russell. Obviously in Formula 2, he was very, very impressive. Um, but then also, I totally forgot my next point. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his his um you talk a little bit about his arrogance a lot. Well, it's not his I think the problem with George is he's so unbelievably well media trained. Mm. It actually has the reverse effect as a fan, I think. Yeah. You know, as a commercial entity, as a team, as a sponsor, you must love him. Yeah. He's the safest ambassador and face of anything. He's never going to say anything wrong. He's actually going to say everything right. Mm. But I remember watching an interview with him or maybe listening to on the podcast where he taught himself to be funny. Oh, God. So, so approaching F1, he was trying to absorb and learn so much about how to be the ultimate F1 driver. And he realized he needed a bit more personality. He needed to showcase a bit more personality. Mm. So he allowed himself or taught himself or, or realized how to have a bit of an edge. And, a bit, and it's almost like he stepped out of a computer. Yeah. Build the ultimate perfect Mercedes Formula One driver. <laughs> Boom, George, George Russell. Russell. <laughs> and, you know, you, I say you can't take away from that his ability at least, but I don't find him very easy to support and cheer. That's, that's, that's my problem. And I just wish that, oh, I, I've remembered my other point. I just wish that over the years, he'd gone, I don't want to be driving for this Williams. I don't want to drive Williams. Yeah, I want to drive for the Mercedes. Yeah. Like just, and every time he's been so politically correct. And it's like, mate, just, just tell us the truth. We yeah, all know. Yeah. We all know what's going on. My point, quickly to make before I want to hear from you. Uh, Latifi. Yeah. Yes, George has done some great results this year. So has Latifi. Mm, yeah. That Williams is competitive now. Yeah. It is no longer at the back of the grid. And he hasn't dominated Latifi as much as he has in previous seasons. And that, to me, just gives me a certain, like, hmm. Mm. Anyway, well, so go on. Yeah, no, I think I kind of mirror a lot of your thoughts. I think you've put it, you've put it quite well. And I think because we are fans of the sport... And we don't know these drivers personally. We get to see them on track and we get to see them in media interviews. Um, and the way that we build a love for someone is how they perform on track and how they get the results and then their personality off the track. And I think social media has helped open the door to a lot of personalities and celebrities and sports stars and musicians that we wouldn't necessarily get to know as much as we do. And the thing that I struggle with with George is he is so stiff in interviews and says the most boring things and I can only go and compare it to someone like Lando Norris and you go and listen to him and he's just this free-flowing free spirit He's obviously had training because, I mean, two years ago, he, 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 it down he, a bit. he was yeah, a yeah, liability. Yeah. Um, but you see what Lando does on social media. You can see that he is in control of his social media. Whereas you go on to George's and he could have an agency running his social media. It was very curated. It feels very, but that's just George. So I find it very hard connect with his personality off track therefore when he's on track you obviously want him to do well but you're not like shouting at the tv like you are if you're a manchester united fan and you just want manchester united to win and, and you hate everyone else do you know who he reminds me of go on djokovic yeah he's that similar character where clearly uh, djokovic insane... is a bit funnier okay <laughs> wow really harsh for george no um clearly insanely talented right 
like just raw talent, really, really good at what he does. But he's not Federer. He's not Nadal. He hasn't got that something about him which makes you want to go, yeah! Mm. Like, and there's something about George, which I'm, I'm going to ask you the big question in a second, which is what's going to happen next year. But I just can't find myself supporting him. And, you can't and warm to him. I can't warm to him. And, and yes, he's British. And yes, he's an exciting future talent. And yes, he's put in his, his dues at, at Williams. But I would far quicker from a next generation support Charles Leclerc, Orlando mm. Norris, any, I mean, a number of other drivers, Gasly, you know, all coming up through the ranks that excite me more than Russell's yeah. for my personal support. And, and I don't, yeah, it's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that is not necessarily F1 related, but it relates to George and the way that he's media trained because these young stars that are coming up and, and obviously George has been uh, picked out as this incredible talent and is managed by Toto Wolf. So therefore he knows that his future is not only secure if he continues to deliver, but also it's not just his future secure, his future is bright and it's exciting. Therefore what happens off the, tr the track and the amount of media training that he has for someone that's 2021, 20, you're, he might not necessarily have a strong personality like Danny Rick or Lando Norris, but you're sapping away what makes him him by telling him what to say, by training him how to answer questions. And I was actually really disappointed after the highs that we experienced at the US Open when we watched Emma Raducanu win. Um, I've been following her since uh, very early rounds at Wimbledon and she is incredible. I've never seen her interview. I've never seen her talk. Okay. And her post-US Open um, Grand Slam win was so media trained. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I could I'm so, not. I'm I totally could not believe it. I just want to see a, a giddy eighteen-year-old yeah. spill her heart out, having come through the qualifying rounds, not drop a set, and and have this whirlwind dream come true. Which there will probably be a movie made out of, about mm -hmm. that because 100%. it is literally the first time. And I, I was, I was kind of like, oh I, my god, I was knackered. I stayed robot. up waiting for that. Yeah, moment. I that's all I want to see. I wanted you know? to see her just just cry and and just like thank her 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 family and like no, we got none of that. We got none of it. Fernandez was better. Her Fernandez yeah, yeah, speech yeah, yeah. was Incredible. way better. Incredible. Incredible. So full of emotion. And but for being an eighteen right. and nineteen year old um, in the U.S. Open now, and it kind of you can pull George into that. These young superstars that have such an incredible talent. I just feel like there are older people that know how to commercialize mm -hmm. these these people and they're forgetting that they're people. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you need to just release their character and their personality so that we, the fans, can connect with them and see that they're normal people and fall in love with them. And I don't think we've got that with George. He yet, has a yet. yet. We have a he has a huge fan base. Um but I like I like the, the, the personal yeah. side and there are a lot of other people that like love the personal side to these sports stars, to these personalities that we can connect with. And I just feel like George is is, is a prime example of someone who has been picked out from such a young age and just been turned into a bit of a robot, which is a bit sad. So what's gonna happen next year? I'm not going to ask if he's going to win the championship because we don't know what Mercedes' performance will be next year, mm. but what's going to happen between him and Lewis? Well, we don't know if Lewis is going to be there next year. Yeah, he is. Oh, you think he's going to suddenly just... Because he's got the contract. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, was... but, I mean, he could just bail. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I would be, so, would yeah, be surprised. Um, what do I think is going to happen? I am going to say 
that there are po- politics behind the scenes. Oh, really? I th- really? I, th- I think that George won't... If Lewis doesn't win the World Championship this year, mm-hmm. I don't think George will be allowed to race Lewis until Lewis gets his eighth World Championship. I don't think Lewis has any idea. I, I personally think it is like, a, a, a mutual secret agreement between mm. between the board of directors at Mercedes because it's not just Toto Wolff that dictates. Yeah, it. of course. I think that there are a lot of people very high up that will pull the strings next year. I think what they don't want, right? They they don't want a Hamilton Rosberg. They mm. don't want a Hamilton Alonso. They don't want a Vettel Ricardo. Like they they don't want fighting. They don't want to lose the potential to enter a new era of F1, like McLaren in 2007, Mm. ready to win the championship with a new look. Look how much we've dominated this sport. We've even won with new regulations, but oh no way, our drivers are taking each other off and we've actually ended up losing. Now, I agree with you. So there's a lot of like Mercedes wording that's come up being like, you know, George has still got a lot to learn. (laughs) It's going to be a learning, but he's got to learn how to- I don't think Lewis is sat there going, great, get rid of Bottas bring George in, but he can't beat me. I don't think Lewis is sat there saying that. I think it's coming far higher up that they want Lewis to break the record, eighth world championship in a Mercedes, and they cannot have anyone spoiling the party, even if it comes from another Mercedes car. So the thing is, are you saying that you you think if all gloves were off, Russell would beat Hamilton? No, but I think he. I think he would bring the fight to. I think he would be a more competitive driver than Bottas. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think I expect if Mercedes are competitive, I expect Russell to get pole positions and yeah. victories next year. Mm. I would sort of agree that I think if we if they were in a position like Ricardo and Norris yesterday, there would be a let's keep it on track. Yeah, let's just yeah. keep going. I, I think, but we're going to see front row lockouts, or we're going to see uh, again if they're competitive, and therefore a clashing of wheels. I think Russell, because of everything we've just spoken about, does not want to upset the cart, right? Mm-hmm. He, he is going to that team finally. He's mm-hmm. waited all this yeah, time. Yeah. And he's and not he's going not, anywhere. And he's fully, fully looked up to Lewis as well. He's, he's not going to be there. For, I mean, he's going to be there for a long time. Mm. So he's not looking to go in there year one and piss everyone off. Yeah. So I think he'll do a lot of on the... Hi, guys, I'm happy to sit in second. Yeah. Hi, guys. Like, yeah. I think there'll be a lot of that because he knows his time is coming has, slash has arrived. At the same time, we could see him go in there and be three tenths a second a lap quicker than Lewis yeah. in race and qualifying, and therefore become the championship contender. For, and there's nothing that Mercedes can do. As a Hamilton fan, I have to believe that won't be the case. Mm. But I also have to accept that Hamilton, while still operating at such a high level, at some point has to come away yeah, from this. Yeah, he'll peak. be a year older. It it has to like for the future of Formula One. Someone has to beat Hamilton, and we're seeing it in Verstappen yeah, for sure, but yeah. within the same car, someone at some point has to beat Hamilton. Uh, and all I'm trying to draw comparison on is Massa and Schumacher in that final year in 2006, where towards the end of the year, Massa was mm. very competitive, mm. taking pole positions, taking victories, and looking like he was starting to get a hand on, on Schumi. And I, I, that's what I think we might see. I think it'll be a slow burn, slow start to the year, some potential poles and victories if the car's competitive. And I think they'll end up very close in the championship order. But I would expect, or at least hope, mm. Hamilton to win out yeah. over a year. 
I, yeah, I, I would agree. But you feel like there's a changing of guard coming soon. Well, there has to be for okay. the sport. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, which is why I kind of enjoyed watching the 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 Grand Prix without yeah, Max, yeah, without Max and Lewis. Um, at the end of Lewis's, let's say he he leaves, and we've got George tied into a, a long contract. You know that Max's contract ends at the same time as Lewis's. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Max, Max and George will be teammates. This is my, so. I literally had dinner with some people last night, and I was saying the thing is, yeah. So you, they oh, is this your dinner with Bernie? Uh, with Bernie Eccleston. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah, yeah, Bernie. yeah, yeah always gives me the inside of tips. And we were discussing they're putting all their eggs in Russell, right? Mm. Russell is the next the the Jesus of Mercedes, saving us once Lewis goes. Do who do you put in that second seat of Mercedes? Mm. Do you then get a second driver to back up Russell? Gasly. Well, yeah, Gasly, I think, is the strongest shout. Mm. Or do you want someone a little bit more experienced? Do you want uh, Ricardo, who's then matured at McLaren? Do you want a Sainz, who's done his tenure at Ferrari and proven himself? Like, and that, just coming in to develop the car, but then support George? That's the question, mm. right? All depends on what Mercedes look like in two or three years' time, performance-wise, yeah. and if Russell really delivers on this. Because, yeah. as I say, like, don't get me wrong, the guy is mighty impressive. But it is not the first time we've seen someone perform well in a backmarking car. And that car has become more competitive. As I say, Latifi has also been knocking on the door of Q3 here and there. He's also been scoring points. And we've seen it with other teams. So I, I just, I'm not 100% convinced that just off the back of that Bahrain Grand Prix last year, when Mercedes were the most dominant <laughs> team yeah, at that point. By miles. And he beat Bottas, which... I think a lot of drivers on the grid would do. Like, I'm not convinced that means that Russell is by, the by second default, Jesus. Yeah, like, the, the obvious choice. Still makes mistakes. So he has got a lot Whereas to Whereas Leclerc, oh. coming into a Formula One, I think straight away, you knew. That was it. He was going to Ferrari. He was, yeah, he, 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 was gonna, he was going to be the long-term Ferrari driver because you saw what he was able to do on track in that car and obviously his F2 um, dominance as well. And without sounding like a real dick, if Russell really was the next Verstappen or Leclerc, Mercedes would have put him in that seat. Yeah. I don't care what people say about upsetting. Mm. Mercedes are a business and mm. they're there to win. And Bottas, the last two years, has allowed Red Bull to get very close. Yeah. And if, if Mercedes really thought that's our guy, they would have put him in the car last year. Going back to seeing McLaren one and two mm. and now wanting a McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> There is a part of me, I, I bought a Mercedes AMG because of what Mercedes were doing, bringing Formula One into the, the Project One. So that's why I bought the C63. As soon as they announced that, I was like, I mean, I want to be a part, I mean, I yeah. be a part of that brand. And we saw McLaren do that this weekend. And now we want to be a part of that brand, um, which is the marketing element of Formula One and why we're seeing Aston Martin have such a heavy presence in because they want to sell cars. They've got the DBX as the medical car. They've got the Vantage as some of the races. It's Mercedes with the AMG GTR. What I'm trying to say is Lewis, whether you love or hate him, he, he, he draws attention to the Mercedes AMG brand. He posts that he's in a Mercedes AMG on social media. I could not be more turned off at the proposition of George Russell promoting Mercedes AMG. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like Mercedes mean. Yeah, AMG yeah. are these outlandish, untamable beasts on the road that sound like they just put your hairs on, on the end and they make your palms sweaty, your back sweaty. It is just an encapsulating experience. And then I just don't see, from a marketing point of view, that Mercedes up at the top, the board of directors are going, that's our guy. 
that's why I think they're going to want a little bit more star power. However, if if Verstappen, if Russell gets in that seat next year, Mercedes are competitive, and he gets and he wins everything, they won't care. Star power yeah. done. So you know it's going to be super interesting to see. Uh, we've also got to talk about obviously Albon returning in yeah, at Williams. Yeah, bit of a fu from Williams to Mercedes, uh, who were heavily pushing for Nick DeVries to get that seat, uh, and and they've taken Albon still theoretically with Red Bull ties. So it's going to be interesting to see what that means for Williams moving forward. And I think I, I thought I loved watching Albon when he was in that. The f- the, f- the first stint that he had in that Red Bull car, I was like, this guy's a hero. Oh my God, yeah, the second <laughs> half of 2019, yeah. was it? Um, yeah, so he's so just so lunging from positions that you just shouldn't lunge, and he was making it stick. It was so good. Great to see him back. So that firms up Williams. We've really only got the second Alfa Romeo seat, which seems to be up for contention. Mm. Uh, Giovinazzi's definitely doing a good job at yeah, staking his claim, yeah. and I think Ferrari probably pushing quite hard for him to be there. Um, there was talk about Nick DeVries. I get the feeling Nick DeVries, who obviously won the Formula E Championship, uh, for Mercedes had something in his contract saying if I win the, the Formula, Formula e, e World Championship I need a Formula 1 drive because yeah. so, no one's ever talked about Nick DeVries getting into Formula 1 and then suddenly on that championship and suddenly Mercedes like he has to get a seat yeah. so there <laughs> must have been something in his contract um, but I think the strong outside shout for that Alfa Romeo is Guan Yu Zhou who's in Formula 2 at the yeah, minute yeah. big Chinese backing apparently yeah. they are willing to throw a ton of cash at him to get well, into that Alfa Romeo seat like, imagine a Chinese driver in Formula 1 huge mm. so, uh, so yeah some still some things to kind of uh, money, you know, yeah, talks. Money, money talks money talks but I think it's very exciting for next year obviously we've got the big regulation change as well but with these big driver changes we've got a lot to be excited about fundamentally we've got to somehow survive in the, the end of this yeah, year in the in the here and now yeah this season will go down in history yeah we'll look back on it in in 10 20 years time i think this really is uh the fight that we've been so desperate for and there are parts of me that get so excited for the netflix oh my uh, god drive uh, to survive yeah. it's got to be 300 <laughs> episodes long right but it is we're, we're seeing a Senna Prost we're seeing a, 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 a Schumacher Hakkinen we're, we're seeing a Hill Schumacher mm. like we're seeing a proper epic tete-a-tete yeah. and some of these clashes some of the, will, will be footage that's going to be re- replayed for years and years as highlights packages so and the best the best bit about it for me is is interacting knowing that we come and then film the podcast uh, within 24 hours of the Grand Prix the best thing for me is having the interaction with you guys on on social media uh, immediately after the race happens yeah. or immediately after something happens and the the bombardment of I can't wait for the podcast. <laughs> like can't wait to hear what your thoughts are and then there are sometimes where I get out of the podcast I'm like ah did I actually say everything I wanted to say, say everything yeah. I wanted to say did I say it the right thing? but I feel like in this one in particular uh, we've hopefully covered off most covered covered off. I mean, the fact that Spa didn't happen, eh, well, you know, fine. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was more of a rule technicality to be like, let's just get it down under the safety car just so that we don't. Uh, do you know what? Actually, it's ruining my OCD looking at the points. And yeah, half I points. know half points are it's horrible, like, aren't they? Yeah, half I can't, I can't actually look at the scoreboard. Uh, Dutch Grand Prix, uh, just like Monaco, should be a qualifying only weekend, I think. Mm, to- just, totally pointless yeah, race. But, yeah. but amazing track, it incredible is, it, support, it, like, but just not a race. Uh, everyone that I... Uh, or sorry, not everyone that I know, but everything that I watched from that race weekend, no one really talked about what happened on the track. Everyone was highlighting just what the atmosphere was like from the crowds, and yeah. it it was so cool. Um, 
But oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a snore fest. Yeah, and and Verstappen just dominated, so yeah. good, good for him, and, yeah. and he needed to. But yeah, anyway, it's it's been good to get back to the after the <laughs> flag chat, and yeah, and, and just absolutely just review everything's happened the last three weeks. It's been crazy. We now have a little bit of a break until is it Turkey next? I get so confused. Was it Russia? By the, I thought it was Russia. Oh, it's Russia. Well Russia done. in two weeks. I get so confused by the mm. calendar. They keep changing and moving yeah. things around, and obviously Verstappen's going to have that. Grid penalties, so three grid, three place grid penalties could could swap around the championship board a little bit, which will make it even more exciting going to the end of the season. So yes, if you are new to after the checkered flag, please subscribe. If you're watching here on YouTube, turn on notifications. Also, they're interceded with the main behind the glass podcast. Uh, if you're listening, keep listening on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to follow Paul, my regular guest, he's <laughs> at Wallace PJW on most social media platforms. Talking of contracts and drivers, <laughs> lots, I think I need to secure my seat for next year. <laughs> You've got a lot of work to do before that, <laughs> and I'm at seen through glass the most social media platforms. We'll be back with you for the Russian Grand Prix in a few weeks' time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.